This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1. This is The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. A show about sex, relationships and everything in between. You can start to feel bliss while you're vacuuming. I don't know if I've tried that or not. Do I want to try it? What is it? Very complex, very interesting. Flogging, whipping, caning. So there I was in my high heels and my little dress. So it is purely a stigma. Healthy sexual expression with other humans. I went to the local women's health centre and went, I think I'm a lesbian, is there a support group? They don't know quite how to talk about it. It's actually a core skill in relationships. That has always worked for me. This wonderful interview discusses differences in libido. Just a proviso before we start, the interview discusses heterosexual relationships and talks about a man-woman dynamic. If you're same-sex attracted or gender diverse, you'll hopefully still get some great insights, but please be warned the interview isn't representative of all relationship types. My guest is Dr. Sandra Perta. She's a clinical psychologist and sex therapist, and we're going to chat today about mismatched libidos. Welcome, Sandra. Thank you, Ella. It's good to be here. Would you share a little bit about what you see when a couple comes in to see you or an individual with mismatched libido? How does that present in the people that you work with? Well, it's interesting that it's actually changed the way it presents over time. I've been doing sex therapy now for more than 40 years, so back in the 70s, Things were very different and in fact in the early days some men would be offended if the woman initiated sex. That's changed and now what, what we see is that we have almost as many unhelpful expectations about sex now as we did back in, you know, in those early years of 1970s. I remember sitting around with some students when I was doing my clinical masters in 72 and we were sort of saying, oh, we're going to be out of work soon because once everybody gets to understand what to do, we won't, you know, everybody be fine. Hmm. Uh, But in fact, it's not fine. And I blame sex therapy for part of that because we have sex therapists writing books like How to Have the Best Sex Ever, promoting the idea that sex always has to be erotic. So what I see now are just ordinary people doing the best they can. Very rarely do I see a couple where I think one person's the problem. Hmm. But they're both caught up in these ideas about what sex should be and it causes a lot of heartache because that's often misread by each other don't you find me attractive don't you love me and it is generally fairly stereotypical in the sense that it's usually the male who wants sex more than the female but even that's a bit of a confusion basically the problem that we have is that we think about sex drivers being this sort of lusty interest where you look at your partner and you just overcome with desire to have sex. Yes. And that was the view that was held for many decades until the early 2000s. Few of us had already started to think about the fact that female sex drive was different to male sex drive, and now that's been more researched. So whereas men often seek sex, and I feel one of the fundamental differences is men often seek sex in order to feel good. Mm. Women often need to feel good before they can want sex. Yes. Yes. So what we see is that women's sex drive is more reactive and that for a lot of men it's, it's, it breaks their heart that she doesn't initiate sex a lot of the time. It's just not the same for her. There are reasons for that as well. 
I want to go back a step and I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what is libido because I'm hearing you talk about drive and it's not necessarily about just wanting to rip your partner's clothes off all of a sudden. What is libido? The way that I think about libido or sex drive or sexual interest is that it's anything that helps you say yes to sex. Hmm. And this is what we're discovering uh, with women but also with some men that she may not have that sort of free-floating interest, but if her partner initiates sex and the right things happen, then she can find that she can get into sex and enjoy it. The downside is that often the way that the male tries to initiate sex is extremely annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if she's not in the mood, if she, or she's tired, or she's you know, working in the garden or whatever, and he's, he sees her and he thinks, oh, she's so gorgeous, I love it a bit, you know, and he goes up to, to the intimate with her. If he touches her on the breast or tweaks her nipple or grabs her on the crutch, it is extremely annoying for a lot of women because they're already busy and preoccupied and that feels irritating. And so then she'll get cranky or she'll push him away. She's also worried about, you know, what he expects during sex. So he wants her to be hot and lusty. He wants to want to want. But this is a stereotype we put on men as well that isn't fair because the couple that I see, they're just misreading each other. Hmm. And for a lot of men, they'll come across as if it's all about sex, and for some probably it probably is. But a lot of the men I speak to, they're just sad that she doesn't want him to be near her. Hmm. And so he gets caught up in feeling rejected and believing that she doesn't find him attractive. And really what, she, what he wants is her, I call it welcoming, when he comes up to her, he wants her to welcome him, which can simply mean that you turn around and put your arms around him. But she won't do that because she thinks, if I do that, he's going to think I'm hot for sex, and I'm not. Well, I've spent a lot of time just helping clear the air and helping to understand the differences between them so that they can get out of that cycle. If he approaches, she rejects because she's not in the mood or she thinks he's going to want more. And from his point of view, of course he's going to try when they're having a cuddle. Because every other time she seems really preoccupied. So it makes sense to him that she's finally having cuddle with him and he'll try for sex. And then she gets cranky, oh, you ever want to sex? Now, once I start wading through all this misinformation, my goal is to work out what is going to work for this couple. It's not my role to say, oh, you should have passionate sex or send your partner emails teasing them through the day. Little hints that you get from sex therapists They'll be great for some, but for other people, they're totally irrelevant. Yeah. So what I love about my job is that it's like this is a mystery to solve. You are two good people doing the best they can. They're really sad and hurt about what's going on. What do I need to do to help this couple find their good enough sex? Mm. And that's the thing. It's good enough sex. We're not talking about what you see on the internet or the different things that you might see on the internet that you want to try. You might want to try them, but if your partner doesn't, then it's okay that she says no. So that's where some conflict can come in. Most of the guys I see, they just want that intimacy and they need to be guided by her about what feels good and what doesn't feel good because she generally tells him what she doesn't like. doesn't spend a lot of time saying, I just need you to hold me still. Mm. I just want your hand here. But for some people, it is very much about wanting their partner to do some of the things that's been on the internet. Very unrealistic stuff. We have to put this in perspective. When you go to a movie and you see Superman fly, you don't expect it to fly. <laughs> yeah. When you watch this stuff on the internet, it's acting. A lot of the porn is staged. Yeah. So to expect 
that your sex life is going to be like that is unrealistic. It might be like that once every blue moon when the, all the stars align. But mostly good sex is what I would see more based on feeling connected. Yes, you can get into all the activities if you're both interested. That's fine. But it's really understanding that there's nothing wrong with either one of you. It's the difference between you that's causing this problem. And so learning to be able to say for the woman, you know, I like it better if I'm just lying still, whatever it might be for her. Mm. Once you get the couple realising there's nothing wrong with them and trusting their own sense, then they'll develop a sex life that's quite right for them. It's also based on the idea that there's many different types of sex drive. So, for example, or interest in sex. So there are people that are hotly erotic and they want it to be hot and happening. Probably the largest group for women are what I would call the more sensual type. They're less interested in what they do. They're more interested in skin skin contact. Mm. There's the dependent type who needs sex every day and gets angry if it doesn't happen. I've seen some women in that category. Just like we think about personality types, I think there are also different libido types. It just indicates difference. It doesn't indicate that one is better than the other. Yeah. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec, I'm a woman, like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and mm. I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids, I look like Bert Newton, I wouldn't have been <laughs> attracted to myself. <laughs> So they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone, and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind-blowing. One of the problems can arise is just in terms of the objective difference in sexual frequency. Yes, I see that a lot. It's a real issue that, yeah, just different expectations in how often you should be having sex. And I think people get caught up on the should sometimes. On the should, definitely. Notice you should. It's interesting too that in that scenario, it's usually the high drive person that feels like they're the normal one. So you can have someone who's been in a relationship with the lower drive person the other partner wanted every day, a couple of times a day, and this person only wanted it twice a week. But then that person has been in a relationship with another person who only wants it once a week, and suddenly she's become the high-drive person. Very much a matter of relative to, to what your partner wants. More so males than females who want sex every day, sometimes more than every day. They're really angry when their partner won't give them sex mm. on the day that they want. And they feel that I should be able to fix the woman. Yeah. And I wanted to just pick you up on, and I hear this from, um, yeah, particularly some men that come to me also, Sandra, like they won't give me sex as if it's something that they hand over to their partner. And yeah, that's a little red flag for me when I hear people talk about it like that, actually. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I'd probably query it a little bit. I'm not quite sure what you mean by give you sex. Do you feel that it's something that you should do no matter how she feels? Mm. And again, some men will say, you know, that he can't sleep if he doesn't have sex, so yes, she should. But a lot of the guys, when you put it that way, are kind of, oh, no, I don't mean that. I want her to want me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the person 
you know, I don't like being gendered because sometimes it is the woman who wants sex more often as yeah. very demanding. For example, if someone wants sex daily, we know from the broad Australian statistics, there was a study done that was published in 2003, our second one in 2014, and they showed that the most common sexual frequency, 50% of couples have sex once a week or less, and the, probably the most common frequency is once or twice a week. The other thing they've found is that sexual frequency is dropping since the first study. Couples are having sex less. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's to do with time and expectations. If there's a person that's really demanding that my partner should be giving me sex when I want it, I'll say then, okay, you're wanting your partner to up her sex drive. Now, if I was to ask you to drop your sex drive, how easy would that be for you? That's a and, great you know, question, like, yeah. yeah. And if, well, you know, you can't say, well, hang on a minute. It's just as easy for you to drop your sex drive as it is for her to raise it. Mm. So if it's hard for you to drop it, it's hard for her to increase it. But that's relatively, that's not something I would use a lot because most of the guys that I see are not that demanding. They're just heartbroken because they feel rejected. This idea that the person who wants sex every day is somehow the the one that's normal. I think the studies found that maybe less than 5% of couples have sex every day. Yeah, after the first short time of the relationship, that honeymoon period's over, it's really, it is quite uncommon. Yeah. The other thing that's come out of some of the studies, looking at the differences between men and women, is that a lot of the guys will feel they were ripped off because when they first got together, she was really into sex. Now, I did my PhD a couple of decades ago on sexual problems after childbirth, and we know that that period following childbirth and raising children is associated with a drop in sexual interest for women. Yeah. And so I did this, I did four studies looking at this, and do you know what I found? Tell the us. Reason why they didn't, why? They were tired. Yeah. They were tired. Yeah. That was the factor that correlated more with that drop of in sex. And if she's tired, sexual touch can be really annoying if it's that demanding sort of type. Everyday things that influence why people may say yes or no to sex. But the other thing that one study found was that a couple in their 20s, a couple in their 30s, and so they had different age groups that were sort of brought into the study. And what they found was that women's sexual interest in 50% of them waned over time. So it went from that really hot initial phase to being more reactive. In other words, mm. by the time they'd been together a couple of years, no matter what the age was when they first got together, so it wasn't age-related, the female sexual interest had dropped from its physical level to more, if the right things happen, it, it will be nice. So that more reactive sex drive rather than being that free-floating, can't wait to get your gear off kind of feeling yes. in the early stages. Different intentions to go towards each other. Yeah. I think the sad thing is it doesn't seem to be getting any better in the community. Like mm. when you talk about the people you see, what sort of clients are the most common um, type for you? Yeah, this is a really big issue for the people that come and see me. They feel exactly like you said, rejected, pressured, tired, hassled, and they find it hard to come together sexually. Yeah, and I think this is where I'm trying to introduce the notion of good enough sex. Mm. I mean, you know, when my kids were little, good enough sex was me being comfortable with being held and cuddled, but, you know, really not much else. Having sex is part of that, but, you know, no sort of bouncing around the bed. I think helping couples to focus on what's important to them. If it's the physical act and she's got to turn on or he's got to last forever, then they're going to be disappointed. But if it's about the quality of their connection, then they can have what, if you were to do a movie of it, it'd be boring sex. Mm -hmm. But meaningful 
of a couple because it's, it's a genuine connection of two people together touching softly. We don't use words like gentle and still and quiet about sex, but they're often some of the lovely words where the couple just feels comfortable with each other and they, it doesn't matter whether she comes or he does or he comes too soon and there's nothing that they're going to do wrong. Whatever happens is okay, accepted. It's just two people being intimate. There's no formula for that. Absolutely. You are listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with me, Alice Shannon, a show about sex, relationships, and everything in between. Most of us have not been encouraged or taught how to talk about sex. They are curious. Hang on a sec. I'm a woman. Like, I have needs now. Whole new level of sensation and pleasure. I looked at my yoni before and after and I was like, oh my God. You may experience a range of emotions. What we associate as being related to one gender or another, it changes all the time. Pleasure is our birthright. You're on these massive doses of steroids. I look like Bert Newton. I wouldn't have been (laughs) attracted to myself. (laughs) So they were just so happy to know that A, they weren't alone and B, that this was like a legitimate thing. And that actually sounds really lovely and erotic, really pleasurable. It's a secret. Mind-blowing. I get people coming to me saying, oh, we've been trying to have sex, but it's not working. Okay, well, intercourse isn't working, but what else is happening? And isn't that a beautiful experience just in and of itself? Yes. That's right. And it's not to say that you might not be disappointed that you haven't had this other thing you wanted. Mm. But I want couples to focus on what they do right and what's right about their relationship. Just on that, there is a problem that's occurring more now than a couple of decades ago. A couple of decades ago, the biggest male concern was coming too soon. But now we find that a lot of the guys are lasting a long time. And I started seeing women in the 1990s, which was historically stuff, where she was presenting with to the, her doctor with painful vagina and the doctor couldn't find anything wrong with it so they came to see me and I started to ask from the beginning when he penetrates to when he ejaculates how long does he last and for some of these guys they were lasting 15 or 20 minutes or more mm. and the problem was bored her vagina had dried up yeah. it was painful and that often relates to how often they're masturbating privately yes and whether they're use, using porn a lot yeah, and edging and not letting themselves ejaculate and holding back. Yeah. A lot of people are still really surprised that uh, women don't just want their guy to last for ages, actually. I yeah. think it's a really big myth that actually starts to become a bit uncomfortable after a while most of the time. Yeah, it's, it's actually boring sometimes. You know, <laughs> oh, well, I'm gonna, you know, I'll go up tomorrow and I'll put the washing on or because it, there's nothing really in it for the woman for him to keep thrusting away. Yeah. And for a lot of guys, it's such a relief he doesn't have to do it but for the guy that can't come that person sometimes the simplest strategy is reduce your masturbation yes just you know allow yourself uh, i mean i've seen males who are masturbating two or three times a day yeah so, not uncommon at all yeah so if you're lasting too long and your partner's complaining or she's avoiding sex that's a very simple question to ask from the time of entry to ejaculation what are we looking at and how is that for you hmm because what do they say the average is like three to five minutes is the actual right. intercourse is that that's right yeah yeah around yeah. yeah. about that yeah for the guy that comes quickly there are women who come very quickly you know the interesting stat, stat too is 
is that women come more quickly when they're on their own than when they're with a partner. Yeah. Now, that's fascinating because what we think is happening is that while she's engaging with her partner, she is thinking about what she's doing and, you know, tuning into is she getting turned on and is she comfortable, is she letting him down, whereas when she's on her own, she can totally focus on her own sensation. Mm. Um, If the couple can become more comfortable together, then she might find that she's coming fairly quickly with intercourse. But again, if she's mainly masturbating with clitoral stimulation, she might not find that she gets a very good orgasm through penile thrust, and that's normal. You know, the sort of sensations you get from clitoral stimulation, direct clitoral stimulation, can be very different to thrusting, and often the orgasm through penile intercourse is kind of like a sigh. Hmm. And we're all expecting it to be this sort of screaming match. Yeah, explosion <laughs> of fireworks, yeah. Oh. Yeah. And that's all normal. I'm really trying to encourage people to get out of the framework that there's something wrong with them and start focusing on it. And the question I often ask is, if you were with a partner who was well-matched to you, what would be happening? Mm. Now, one couple I saw, I asked her, and she said, oh, well, probably once a week would do me. And the guy started sort of swaggering. And I said, what's going on for you? He said, once a week, that'd be great. That's all I want sex too. Oh, gosh. He said, but you try for sex all the time. He said, I try for sex because my hit rate is so low, I figured the more I tried. Uh-huh. And they ended up laughing. Like, it was really one of those beautiful moments yeah. where the couple saw each other. <laughs> really? So it comes back to talk about this stuff in an ordinary way. I think sex therapists are just making it all the stuff that they write on in articles and books. Uh, the very first book I wrote was called A Common Sense Guide to Sex, which was more about this good enough sex. And good enough sex is lovely sex. You may not have 10 orgasms, but it can be very emotionally satisfying. And, yeah. and it just sounds like taking the pressure off, just be together in a way that feels nice. That's right. And if something goes wrong, in other words, he loses his erection or she doesn't come, that's what happens. Yeah. Don't overinterpret it. These things always happen for a sensible reason. So if you've lost your erection, it probably means you've changed your attention to something else. Mm. But it's getting into, oh, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with my partner? That's the bit I want to get rid of. Very few couples I see where there's one partner that I think is is a problem. Mm. Very rare. Mm. Which is nice. It is really nice. It's encouraging. It's like just relax, just you do you, enjoy each other and have fun. We don't need to be yeah. like the neighbours and the neighbours are and probably not what we think anyway. Yeah. And if you've got different interests, talk about it. If he really does want to try something, things in the chandeliers and she's not keen, talk about it and there might be, she might be say, well, I could probably do that if we, in whatever, if this was happening. Yeah. But you're talking about it as, as like anything else. Like, you know, one might like curry and one might like Italian and they're talking about what's you know, how can they meet in the middle? It, 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 I want to get the emotional heat mm. out of these conversations. Yeah, it's not one and is better, I, it's just preferences, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, and and I want to keep reinforcing the probability of either one of them having a significant sexual disorder is very low. Mm. We've got the range, sexual interest is like height. If you look at the range of height, we you know, with men, we know that on average men are higher than women, quite a, a normal range from 5 foot 2 to 6 foot 10 or whatever it is, and women are generally shorter, but there is an overlap, and so in some relationships, the woman's taller than the man. That's what sex drive is like. Yeah, that's a great analogy. Dr. Sandra Petter, it's been fantastic to talk to you. There was lots in there that I'm sure people will feel really inspired and encouraged by. Thank you so much for your time. It's my pleasure, Ella. 
You've been listening to The Evolution of Intimacy with Ella Shannon. We're feeling juicy the whole day. Every desire I could possibly think of. What sort of impact would it have? They want it, they're going to go and get it. They don't think of long-term consequences. Oh, did that feel really nice? Oh, yes, that felt really delicious. Being able to feel good about my body again, that's been a huge thing. All anybody really wants in this world is to feel seen and heard. We actually do have a lot that connects us physically. It's making people feel good. There is a real sense of hopefulness that returns in a relationship. A really beautiful thing. Take that beauty and that calmness and that bliss and that sense of peace out into the world. Thank you for listening and I hope we've inspired you with our juicy conversations on this episode of The Evolution of Intimacy. If you would like to go deeper, you can book a session of relationship counselling, sex therapy or individual counselling via my website. I work in person in Cairns, tropical far north Queensland or I can meet you online anywhere in the world. Or you might prefer to go at your own pace with my 12-lesson Relationship and Intimacy online course. To book or to listen to previous episodes, visit my website, ellashannon.com or follow me on the socials at Evolution of Intimacy. Finally, please go to iTunes and write me a quick review if you're feeling kind. Thank you, lovelies, and see you next time. This podcast was produced and recorded in the studios of Cairns FM 89.1.